You're listening to the Sketchnote Army Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rohde, the author of the Sketchnote Handbook and the Sketchnote Workbook. And this is the podcast where I chat with sketchnoters and visual thinkers and try to understand what makes them tick. This episode of the Sketchnote Army Podcast is brought to you by the Sketchnote Handbook that tells the story of how I solved a note-taking problem and in the process coined the term sketchnotes. My best-selling book teaches you how to draw simply to capture ideas instead of worrying about art quality. It features simple-to-follow steps for building your drawing skills, helps you create a visual library, and showcases a wide variety of sketchnotes by global creators. Best of all, it's designed as a book-length sketchnote. Pick up a copy of the Sketchnote Handbook for yourself or for someone you just know will love sketchnoting. To learn more about my books, visit roadesign.com books. Use the code RODY40 for 40% off the book at peachpit.com. And now, on with the show. Everyone, welcome to the Sketchnote Army podcast. I am excited to have my friend Z Lee from way, way down under, down in uh, beyond the land of Oz, I guess you might say, in New Zealand. Z, how are you today? Uh, good, thanks. Yeah, Mike, I, I feel like we're friends because um, you're the person that really got me on this journey when I read your book not 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 uh-huh. long ago this year. Yes, that, that it's it's pretty exciting to hear your story. I I've uh, I'm I'm really excited to have you share it with uh, everyone on the on the podcast. So let's just jump right in. Z, why don't you tell us who you are, um, what you do, and then go right into your story of how you got into sketchnoting. Excellent. Well, I'm Z. Uh, I run a business called Teamworks, uh, and my mission is to help organizations and teams work in better ways. I'm also an agile coach at an energy company in New Zealand called Mercury Energy, uh, and I use visual thinking and sketchnoting as as part of my work. It's a it's a big part of it's now become a big part of who I am, uh, and a big part of my toolkit. Mm-hmm. Great. And so how did you stumble into this sketchnoting thing? Was it something that you've been observing for a long time? Is it relatively recent? Yes, it is relatively recent. Um, I was never good at art um, at school. In fact, I actually got C's and D's for art. And then there was this huge blank period of nothingness. Um, And then it was only about three years ago, around around August in 2015, when I attended a strategy workshop uh, as part of work in Sydney. And there was a really talented sketchnoter in the room. Um, not sure if I should call out his name. Sure, um, yeah, go ahead. Sure, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, his name is Martin Rocket, uh, and he was he was uh, scribing a group discussion, and I was completely blown away. Uh, and I thought, you know, I need to learn to do that. It was it was such an amazing tool that just brought the whole conversation to life, and he was able to very succinctly capture all the key messages. Then later that year, I went to an Agile conference in New Zealand, um, and Jeff Patton was there. Jeff Patton is one of the father of user stories in the Agile world. Mm. Um, Maybe we can talk a bit about what Agile is later in the podcast. He did this crazy thing uh, where he uh, drew out his conversation as he was presenting, and I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, Also in the conference that year was um, Lynn Lynn Cazelli was uh, featuring a talk on visual facilitation and, and she taught um, how, uh, a few basic techniques on drawing simple icons. Mm. Uh, but then it, it, that was when the seed was first planted, uh, but it didn't, it didn't really gel until probably 
March, April this year when I read your book, uh, and it was a huge inspiration to me. I gave myself a mission to sketchnote all the talks at Agile Australia in, in June this year. Um, and as, as a result of that, I shared the um, sketch notes on social media. Uh, and um, uh, it was, uh, I was unaware that there was a, a group of student sketch noters at the conference. And it was mm. quite funny uh, how we crossed paths because they, they called me the imposter. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, that actually allowed me to meet uh, Ben Crothers, uh, who's also another um, inspirational um, figure, a big inspiration of mine. Um, and uh, we crossed cross paths because he was the person who organized for the student sketch notice to record the conference. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I think that's how we crossed cross paths as well, Mike. Um, mm -hmm. You came across my blog post with, um, or, or I think it was Ben's blog, blog post about my sketch note at work. Yes, and then I think we felt like that would be a really good fit for Sketchnote Army, and then that became a post over there. So. Um, full circle, I guess, and, and yeah. or at least uh, full connection. And, um, you know, uh, tell us, let, while we're thinking about it, you mentioned Agile and you're, you're deeply into Agile and the work you do. I don't want to assume that somebody will know what Agile means. So why don't you describe to us what it is so we have good uh, context? Yeah, um, Agile is a way of working that uh, it comes from the software development industry. But it's been universalized in recent years, and it's, it's a way of working that encourages experiment, experimentation and learning, really, really small feedback loops, uh, a big focus on teams, communication, uh, and a focus on delivering incremental little bits of value. Hmm. It's almost like uh, really this uh, iterative approach to producing work instead of uh, massive, I think. Uh, agile is often compared to waterfall, which is this idea that you plan out, you know, five years in advance. And uh, maybe by the time you get to the end of five years, you find out your product isn't actually valuable anymore because it took so long to produce it. So agile was in some ways a response to that. Why couldn't we build smaller, valuable bits, improve them, and then build on top of that? Absolutely. You sum it up really well, Mike. Uh, good. Well, I've I've worked in agile teams before, so I've been... I've definitely seen the two different approaches and uh, I quite prefer, as a designer especially, uh, the Agile approach. I think it was a natural way that a designer works too with iterative changes and explorations. So uh, it was really interesting to see it in action in software development and other applications. So uh, so now that we understand a little bit of your background, where you're coming from and how you got to sketch noting, talk to us a little bit about um, how you use it on a day-to-day -day basis and the work that you do. Yeah, um, I, as a result of my job, I run a lot of workshops and I find that um, having something visual to talk to actually gives the audience um, a reference point um, and also helps them think better. Um, if I might just draw uh, a reference to uh, the Lego series play methodology as well, that's something I mm -hmm. use quite frequently in my work. Uh, so the idea behind Lego Serious Play is that, um, well, the process is that you get um, individuals to build a Lego model of what they're thinking about, and then you combine it into a group model. So that's mm -hmm. a really effective way of building a, a group view of a conversation. Now, the theory behind Lego Serious Play is that when you're engaging with your hands, when you're engaging with the Lego blocks, it's actually almost like a Google search with your brain. 
It engages all your senses and it actually helps you to think better and be creative. So to me, I started. So I started using uh, legal blocks in my work before I um, came across sketchnoting, and I found that sketchnoting pretty much drives off the same principles uh, mm-hmm. because you're able to really engage the senses uh, and create that really immersive experience where you're connected with a universal language, and that is a visual language. Right. You sort of, and it sort of uh, incorporates the full body, right? So you're using hands and as well as your mind um, to produce something, right? So that I think those align in that in that form as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell us uh, in a typical project, so let's say you're running a workshop. You talked about um, having some kind of a visual to sort of align people or get people thinking in a similar direction or at least being aware. You know, often I'll say in the workshops that I run, we use visuals to sort of to knock off what is often called the illusion of agreement, which is everyone's talking about the same thing and they're thinking they're individual things. But in reality, they have quite different ideas about what it is that they're talking about. They think they agree, but in actuality, they're maybe quite far apart, potentially. And that by visualizing things, it makes it really clear what someone means and when somebody is quite far away from what the other person thinks. So talk to us about how you use the visuals in the workshop specifically. How does that play out? Yeah, um, so I start off by creating a visual that I put on the door to every workshop that says, welcome to the workshop. I'm Z, and I'm really glad to have you here today. And that's an excellent way to get the whole room to warm up just when they walk in the door. I find that that really does set the scene, um, and it really sets you up for a really, really engaging meeting. Hmm. The next thing that I do in a workshop, uh, and this is a simple template that anyone could use, is to draw a directional signboard, one that looks like an arrow with a post, and I write the words purpose on that signboard. And under that signboard, I draw a line that represents the land, and on that piece of land, I put bullet points about what the purpose of the meeting is. Mm -hmm. So then when people come to the meeting, they understand what's, what it's about. We start by having a conversation about what the purpose of the meeting is. So it gives, it gives the chance for people to really check in and connect with the experience. And then in the meeting, um, I might use some visual metaphors. Um, in Agile teams, we, we do what's called a, a retrospective uh, pretty frequently, which is when teams get together at the end of what we call a sprint or um, an amount of time. And we reflect on the things that went well, um, the things that didn't go so well, and what can you do to improve the process of working together. Um, yeah, Agilists use a lot of metaphors. Um, and one, one of the examples that I use quite frequently is the sailboat metaphor. And that's the idea where you've got a sailboat on, on, a, on, on water and uh, it's being anchored by some blockers or negative things. Uh, so you draw a sailboat and an anchor, and you get people to uh, put up post-its uh, about uh, how uh, things that they felt didn't go so didn't go so well, or things that helped them back. Mm. Uh, and then um, you draw a little uh, sail on the boat, uh, and you draw a little bubble of wind uh, and, and clouds uh, from the back of the boat. And those are the things that move the boat forward. So you could use that as a metaphor for all the things that went well in that sprint. Uh, and then on the right side of the boat, what I quite like to do uh, is recap the destination 
So where did we want to head to in this sprint? Uh, what were the goals of the sprint? And I find that using that visual uh, is a really good way for people to uh, reflect on the sprint, but also connect with uh, a metaphor and connect with the experience. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a lot richer than just having three bullet lists of things. Uh, and it's, it's, a quite, it's also quite a nice way to relive that conversation. Uh, what I tend to do is take a photograph of uh, that visual and uh, document, uh, document it on, on, a, on a shared document uh, in a shared space somewhere where people can mm. refer to afterwards. It's interesting because um, I've been in many retrospectives, you know, where it's just been post-it notes or what, what have you just by themselves. But that idea of having a central image to sort of anchor everything, I mean, obviously there's the anchor in the image, but it's sort of the central image that everyone can work with. And I love the idea of it having, you know, multiple meanings, right? The anchor dragging things back, the sail and the wind blowing things forward. And even the boat itself, you know, with the capacity to carry everyone on the team in it, right? So it sort of uh, reinforces this idea of a shared um, journey in a sense, right? So that's a really fascinating way to approach that, to take what might seem like an everyday boring meeting thing. By simply introducing this image, you now change the dynamic quite a bit. What's, what's the reaction been to that? Oh, it's, it's been uh, very refreshing. Um... Uh, sometimes I tend to put uh, the, the people in the meeting, uh, I draw them up as little figures and put them on the boat. <laughs> it's quite a nice way to, um, to acknowledge everyone's presence and acknowledge the work. Uh, so people, people love it. Uh, it really brings a meeting to life. Hmm. Do you find the, the people who attend uh, those events, if they've got their phones, do they like taking photos of that for their own record of things? Is that common to happen in that kind of a meeting setting? Yes, yes, it is a very common occurrence, and it's something that's encouraged um, because we want people to really relive that conversation, mm -hmm. and that's the whole point of doing a, a retrospective meeting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, that's really fascinating. Can you talk a little bit about any specific um, application, maybe where you did something unique that, uh, let's say maybe the first time you tried using sketchnoting, it sounds like this in some ways sort of brings it in. Were there any other um, almost like a case study where you were experimenting, like you just learned, you just started uh, challenging yourself to introduce sketchnoting stuff into the work you're doing and you tried it the first time and were surprised at the result. Do you have any stories like that by chance? Yes, I do. Um, well, I haven't been doing sketchnoting that long, so everything that I do is pretty fresh. Um, but mm. I can remember just uh, this week, I was asked to... Um, visualize the journey of a project um, and to document all the successes um, on, a, on a particular project that I was working on. And um, I, I, I really wanted to call out the teams um, that worked on the project. Uh, and there was this, um, this architecture team that had been quite bogged down by con conflicting priorities and they had it pretty hard during this project. So I drew a picture of a house um, and I, I drew uh, little figures of the architects uh, alongside the house. And I wrote in big words, architecture legends. Um, and I drew a starburst around it. And then someone told me that an, a software architect walked up to that sketch and he was just chuffed and he was, mm. it made his day. And when I heard that story, it made my day. 
Uh, and what happened after that was um, the project manager actually asked me to make a little certificate or a badge that said mm. architecture legend legend. Uh, and they were gonna they were gonna present that to them uh, to to that person on uh, at a, at a weekly update this week. Hmm. That's really fascinating, um, and and great to hear that you know something that you just did because it maybe occurred to you in the moment that it was a way to identify or recognize you maybe didn't have the you didn't imagine that it could maybe turn into something that would really make that team feel special for the you know the fight they'd went through to get to where they were right so. That must have been really satisfying for you. It was, and it was such a simple thing to do. Um, uh, yeah, it was a really simple thing to do, but it had a, had a really, really big impact. Mm-hmm. I, I can relate that to some stories on some software teams I was on. Um, they would break up and make subgroups or you know, a larger team with small subteams, and they would come up with their own names. So uh, you know, as the designer on the team, I offered myself uh, to make mascots for them. So I would just get just regular old copier paper, right? And uh, a Sharpie marker or something and take their team and, um, and draw it up for them. And amazingly, I would, I went back to this team, I don't know, three years later and they all still had these team name drawings on their spaces, even though the teams had many, in many cases changed two or three times afterwards, they still held on to those original team drawings that it was so meaningful for them. Um, I think one team was uh, had really uh, they chose like really ugly 1970s automobiles. So I did some research and drew you know each team with their ugly automobiles. Or um, there was one team I think was called uh, the Kraken. So I had a, a Kraken like you know swallowing a ship or something. And it was it was amazing that these drawings were still up, almost like touchstones to the to their history. And I was really, I mean, it was really great for me to see. And I was surprised that it was still there because certainly they could have, you know, taken them down. But they had some meaning. There's something really fascinating about the meaning of visuals in our uh, minds that really help us connect with things. And I think you've touched on that in this example and sort of the the stories that you're telling, which is great. Thanks, Mike. No problem. Um, the last question I'm, I'm curious about um, in this space, what do you see going forward? I mean, it sounds like you've just started applying this stuff. You've got some history. You just—it sounds to me like you're getting excited about the applications. What are some of the ideas that you have that you want to try? Maybe in your next uh, workshops that you've been brewing on. Is there something like that you can share? Yeah, um, a lot of people have been asking me for templates, meeting templates. Um, mm. And I haven't really got a reference guide for templates. I tend to just pick things off um, different books that I've read or um, pick things off different things that I've seen on the web. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm actually writing a book on that subject. Uh, It's called the the Visual Coach Handbook. Uh, And it's, uh, well, the tagline is uh, real world examples of visuals that will help you get people from A to B. So I'm, I'm putting together a book. Uh, and I haven't really started yet, but I've put mm-hmm. it out there, uh, and the response is, is pretty, pretty good. Wow, that's that would be great. I think um, certainly uh, something that we would want to share in the Sketchnote Army when it's available, because uh, I think people are interested in any way that helps facilitate. And as you said, you know, agile methodologies aren't limited to software. They can be used in any application of things needing to be done, right? So, And even in a non-agile environment where maybe they don't use Agile in that way. Having these templates for meetings could be super valuable. So that's pretty exciting. Cool. Do you, 
do you have a sense of like, uh, do you have a deadline for yourself or do you, how many pages or what? Tell us a little bit more about your imagination around the book. Um, well, the idea behind the book, it's, uh, is that it's a quick reference and, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to conceptualize what is a really good, uh, lookup system, uh, that would work for this book. Uh, but mm-hmm. I've come up with, so I'd be interested in a- any feedback from our listeners as well as to how they want to see this book pan out and, and, uh, the, the sorts of categories of templates that they would mm-hmm. want to want to see in the book. Uh, but I've got a few, um, categories that I've got down so far, so far. Uh, once about motivation mm-hmm. uh, and once about um, you know disagreement, uh, once around brainstorming, uh, once about uh, a universal meeting template, uh, one about focus, one about planning. So there's a different there are different categories that I'm just sort of toying with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as for um, the progress in the book, well, I've got some time off work uh, over Christmas. I'm not sure what happens in uh, where you are, Mike, but uh, in New Zealand, we tend to shut down for uh, about two to three weeks. Businesses just take lots of time off. Um, yeah, so I, I'm not. Yeah, okay, that's cool. So I'm not going to be working. So I'll be I'll be working on my book, uh, and I'm hoping to uh, publish incremental updates to the book mm. um, over the new year. So looking to put something out definitely around January. Interesting. Are you um, are you imagining this will just be a digital book? In other words, like a PDF or some format, something like that. Initially, yes. Uh, so I've got it uh, up on leanpub.com, uh, which is a platform that allows you to make incremental updates to a book depending uh, on what people want to see from the book. Uh, mm-hmm. So once that's sort of finalized, then I, I'd probably look to uh, sell some hard copies of the book as well. Yeah, it might be uh, maybe we reconnect you with old Ben Crothers and he can connect you up with O'Reilly. That seems like something that might be right up their alley. And then maybe you've got a hardcover book out in the out of the market awesome. at some point. Yeah, I don't see why that wouldn't be uh, something to pursue. And uh, uh, that would be a great reference. I that sounds exciting to me. And many, you know, I'm doing a lot more meetings, so having some a reference like that to get ideas is fantastic. So great, great to hear that. Um, so I'm going to tra- transition a little bit now since we've got an understanding about you and what you do and sort of what you're planning to do. And that is, what are your favorite tools? Um, this is something that we do in each of the podcast episodes because listeners are excited about new uh, new things. I've discovered new things that I didn't even know existed. So I'm always excited to hear what different tools are available and, and how you use them. So talk a little bit. You can talk about digital tools or analog tools, whatever you like. Yeah, um, well, I'm a I'm an analog person uh, because I facilitate a lot of meetings and I like to draw flip charts and it's just really quick for me. It works really well for me. Um, when I'm up on flip chart paper, um, I use the Neuland Neuland markers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really good because um, they don't bleed through paper. They're water based. Right. Uh, they're right. refillable. They don't smell. They're really nice to use. Um, when I'm sketching on paper. Um, I use I use pretty much whatever I've got, uh, but it's it's usually a, a Neuland sketch pen, okay. or uh, the ones from Pilot are really good as well. Um, mm-hmm. The gel based ones are really good. Um, and the thing that I always recommend people to people when they're sketch noting is to have a brush pen, mm-hmm. a brush pen for shadows and highlights, and it really brings your drawing to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, that is my toolkit, mostly Neuland markers, uh, a few sketch pens, 
Um, oh, I do really love chalk markers. So they're the mm-hmm. ones that you, you use for um, to write on windows and glass. Mm-hmm. And the colors in those chalk markers are so bright. So really vibrant, yeah. They're very, 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 sorry, tongue tie, you're going to have to cut this out. They're very vibrant. Um, and if you remember that um, reference I made to that uh, architecture team where I, where I drew a house and people around the house, I used a chalk marker to put mm. some starbursts around the people and it was so vivid. It made the drawing so lively. Mm. So I mm. used the ones from um, Uni. They're called Uni Posca markers. Okay. And they're relatively cheap as well. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. Uh, are there any notebooks that you tend to use or do you just tend to use loose sheets of paper or the flip chart paper? Is that primarily your, your paper foundation? Um, yes, uh, but I, I also like to have an A3 sketch pad with me um, wherever I go. So uh, I'm one of those people in the office that doesn't carry a laptop. Instead, mm. I, I carry a big A3 sketch pad. Uh, so I for use the one, yep. Yeah. I was going to say for the people in the U.S., I I think A5 is small. A4 is like standard copier paper. A3 is is that uh, four times the size or what's the ratio for A3? Uh, A3 is twice the size of your standard uh, copy paper. Got it. Okay. I get you. Got it. It's almost like for us in the U.S., we would maybe consider that like uh, tabloid size. So we have 8.5 by 11 and tabloid would be double that basically two sheets next to each other, which is a nice size, a nice, a nice, uh, good canvas to work with. That's right. It's, uh, it's not too small, uh, and it's not massively large either. Hmm. Is there a certain brand of A3, uh, pad that you like particularly, or do you just, uh, sort of grab and go? Um, I use the ones from DAS, D-A-S. I'm not sure if it's, um, available in, uh, the States, uh, but it's DAS Art, I think it is. I, I really mm. like those because, they're quite thick and they've got a quite a nice texture texture mm. to it. Okay. We'll we'll make sure um everyone to uh get uh, Z's uh list and links so we can send you uh off to find these things and uh, uh that would be helpful for anybody who wants to try some new tools out. So, excellent, excellent. Um and then finally, uh, the last question for you is uh, actually three questions, three tips that you would have and I I like to frame it this way that if you encountered someone who was getting into sketchnoting, they'd just begun, they were excited, but they're not really sure what their next step is, like where do I go from here, what would you? What were some tips that you would give them to encourage them to keep going? Well, Mike, the first thing I would tell them is not to worry if you can't draw, because I couldn't draw at all. And it's actually a benefit if you can't draw, because mm-hmm. it forces you to simplify things and use really, really simple icons. So don't worry if you can't draw, because you cannot always label a bad drawing. You can always label an icon to tell people what it is. Mm-hmm. That's Good my point. first tip. Uh, the second tip is to bring a sketchbook or paper and pen to every meeting you go to. Uh, it's a really uh, good way to relive the conversation, but also it's a really good way to put your thoughts down and share it with others in the meeting. So always bring a sketchbook to a meeting. Uh, and the last tip that I would give anyone is to try a brush pen. It brings your drawings to life. Excellent. And I'm imagining you're thinking of brush pens with maybe like a medium or light gray ink so that it, or even maybe a color, right, where you could highlight against the black. Is, is that what you're imagining? Yeah, um, I use the ones with really with really light ink. Uh, so it's um, it doesn't uh, obscure the, uh, the main outlines of drawings. Mm. Uh, and they're really good to just 
add a little dab of color um, yeah. or do yeah. a little highlight or draw a shadow. I think um, Noylan makes a fine one, which has a brush. You can get in a brush format with these all kinds of light, beautiful inks that I've used and uh, quite like those. And uh, so that's a really great, really great tip. I think that's, it's amazing uh, when I do the same thing with just a few hits of color here and there, it really brings that drawing to life in a way that um, is really fascinating. So I imagine you're probably in the same boat uh, seeing seeing that same kind of uh, impact for very little effort. You get quite a bit of impact out of it. Yes. Um, in fact, I use the Norland brush pen as well. Um, they, they're, they're really good because they don't bleed into the, the, yeah. um, the outlines yeah. here. Yeah, that's good stuff. Neuland's good stuff. They're, we're big fans of Neuland here. And uh, if you haven't discovered or tried them, uh, they're worth every penny. So go check it out. They're uh, refillable. The, uh, the, the, the tips in them are replaceable. So, I mean, it's a completely sustainable marker. And they're using uh, non-alcohol-based, water-based inks. So it's good for you. It won't hurt you. So there's lots of good things to be said about Neuland. On top of which, uh, the Neuland people are just amazing people. So uh, So there's the a little commercial for Neuland because they are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I think uh, our friend uh, Matt McGain has actually become in Australia, if you're, if you're down under, uh, has become a distributor for Neuland. So he's purchased large quantities and then uh, has become a reseller, I believe. Um, yes, Matt. Uh, sells, he sells to New Zealand as well. Uh, and and um, yeah, I do go to Matt for my supplies. Um, so yeah, his website is graphicgear.com.au. Yeah, you're fantastic. welcome, Matt. He, he was he was on a podcast last year, and it was just before he made the agree. I think he had just made the agreement to sign up with Neuland. He was pretty excited. So, so if you don't know about that, if you're down under and you're thinking, uh, I don't want to pay for the shipping, uh, Matt has done it for you. So, uh, go check him out, and we'll believe again. Leave that in the show notes for you, so you can find that if you're if you're interested. So, the let's. I would, I'd love to wrap up now with. Anybody who's really interested in continuing a discussion with you, Z, either um, about your agile coaching, about collaborating on sketchnoting, just you know, or just reaching out to say hi and thank you for being on the podcast, what's the best way for someone to reach uh, to you? Uh, the be- best way to reach me would be uh, by email or LinkedIn. Uh, I do a lot of blogging on LinkedIn. Um, I like to create little sketchnote videos of my work mm. as well. Uh, so my LinkedIn name is Z Lee. Just search me up on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also reach me by email, and my email is Z, so that's my name, Z-H-I, at teamworks, with an X, T-E-A-M-W-O-R-I-X, dot co, dot N-Z. Great. And again, we'll uh, we'll link all that stuff up in the show notes, so anyone who's interested in reaching out to Z, we will make it happen. So, Z, thanks so much. It's so great to have you on, and the first uh, Kiwi on the podcast, I'm I'm pretty excited to, uh, to have you on, and I think... Um, Hopefully this will encourage other Kiwis to get uh, interested in sketchnoting and reach out to you and just build that community. I, I'm pretty excited about that opportunity. Thank you, Mike. Um, and Merry Christmas to you and Merry Christmas to all our listeners as well. Yes. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from the Sketchnote Army podcast. Until the next episode, we will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Sketchnote Army podcast. This podcast was created by me, Mike Rohde, and is edited and produced by John Schiedemeyer, who also created the theme music for the show. Special thanks to Chris Wilson for the show notes each episode. To support the creation of this show, I invite you to buy one of my books, The Sketchnote Handbook or The Sketchnote Workbook, either for yourself or a friend. You can find the books at Amazon 
or go to peachpit.com and use the code RODY40 for 40% off.